Our Bible lesson is titled, The Birth of John the Baptist Foretold. This is contained in Luke chapter 1, and we read verses 5 to 25, which are to be found on page 1184 of the Pew Bibles. Let us hear the word of God. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the God's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also getting on in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then he realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. 
When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Amen. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Now, just before we look at God's word together, just a big thank you, first of all, to all those who helped out with Yuletide Night for the Nativity Escape Room and with the retro games in the back, coordinated by Robin. A big thank you to Robin um, and to Ina and to Jim who sold crafts uh, on behalf of the church uh, as well which was wonderful. A big thank you uh, to them too. A big thank you also to those who came along to Messy Church. It's been a busy weekend um, and it was great to have uh, lots of youngsters here for Messy Church uh, yesterday uh, too. And the Weekend's not finished either because we have an evening service tonight too. Uh, So if you are interested in that, then please do come along uh, this evening. Well, have you done it yet? Have you put up your Christmas decorations and your Christmas tree? Asked this question at the Kirk Session meeting on Tuesday. uh, And very few had put up their tree quite yet. But that was November, wasn't it? But we're now into December... And that's a kind of acceptable time, isn't it, for uh, putting up our decorations and our tree, isn't it? Now, of course, some people cannot wait to put up their Christmas tree. Because at this time of year, it's, it's cold and it's dark. And just to have some decorations and some light, well, people are longing for that, aren't they? And therefore, we put up our Christmas decorations in our tree to give us uh, a bit of um, light uh, in the dark uh, months that are ahead. But others, of course, they they staunchly wait, don't they? And they kind of look their nose down at anyone who's put up their tree in November, and even the first week of December, and they wait, and they wait, and then they think, hmm, round about the 10th, 10th of December, that's acceptable. And then they put up their tree and their decorations up. Now, incidentally, neither is wrong or right. Because we're just different, aren't we? And some have got our Christmas decorations up. Some of us haven't. Some of us are waiting. But Advent, of course, is all about waiting, isn't it? And it's about preparation. And that's why we have, as I said to the children, our Advent candles to count off the, uh, off the Sundays as we count down uh, the days until we come to Christmas Day. Now this morning we are thinking about the foretelling of the birth of John the Baptist from Luke chapter 1. And it's interesting, isn't it, that at the beginning of Luke's gospel, he doesn't start with the birth narrative of Jesus, like we might think, but he goes further back and he starts with John the Baptist. You see, what we have to realize is that the people of Israel have been waiting. 
They have been expecting a Messiah, someone who would reign on on David's throne. Remember uh, King David, who is basically the kind of, you know, the the king, the, the kind of archetypal king that Israel remembered back in the golden years. That was David, and things have been going downhill since then, and we are waiting. We are waiting for someone to reign on David's throne. And yet, what has happened? Well, there's really been 400 years of silence. There's been a time of waiting. 400 years of silence when there's not really been a prophet in Israel. It's been a a long time. If you think of 400 years ago, what's that? 1623? Is my my maths right? That's a long time ago, isn't it? I don't really know what was happening in 1623. Imagine, time of silence for 400 years, and Israel's been waiting. And then on a smaller scale, we're introduced to a couple who have also been waiting and longing. Because Zechariah and Elizabeth, they have no children, They're now both very old, as described in the passage here, and yet they have no children. Now, note here that they were not childless because God was punishing them in some sort of way. Sometimes we get that impression, don't we, that when bad things or or difficult things happen to us, it must be because we've done something wrong or sinned in some way. But that doesn't necessarily follow. Because here are Zechariah and Elizabeth, and how are they described? Well, they're described as as righteous in God's eyes. They are obeying the Lord's commands. And Zechariah is a priest serving in the priestly order of Abijah. And so, in a smaller way, we have Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they've been waiting too. And they probably think they're never going to have a child, that their time has passed. They're just too old. That's never going to happen. Now also, let's also note here that what we find here in this story is is not necessarily a promise that if we follow God's commands and are obedient, that God will make life easy for us or he will give us our heart's desire. Because experience tells us that there are many who have longed for children, for example, who have prayed to God and it hasn't happened. But let's always remember that the Lord is good. He is loving. He cares for us. And if you're struggling with something today that you've been praying about for a long, long time, well, keep praying. Keep trusting. God will answer your prayers. It might not be the way that you want it. And maybe you'll not find out why God doesn't answer the prayers that you want in the way that you want this side of eternity. But he is listening. And he will answer according to his will. But what I want you to show you this morning is that this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth is a bit like an enacted parable. You often get enacted parables in the Old Testament, particularly in a book like Ezekiel, where the Lord says to Ezekiel, look, you're to do this certain thing, you're to act in a certain way, and 
in his actions, he is giving a message to the people of Israel. Now, in some kind of way, what happens with Zechariah and Elizabeth, in a small way, is like what's happening to Israel and the whole world in a bigger way, if you can follow me. What they are experiencing as a couple is in a small way what the people of Israel have been experiencing. Because in the same way that Zechariah and Elizabeth have longed for a child and have had to wait, so the people of Israel are longing for a Messiah, and they have had to wait. But now, after 400 years of silence, something's happening. And now, after all these years for Zechariah and Elizabeth, something's happening. Because Zechariah's priestly order was on duty at the temple, each priestly order would, would serve in the temple for around two weeks a year. And Zechariah is chosen by lot to burn the incense in the temple. Now, this was a high honor. And because of the number of priests in each order, this perhaps only happened once in a lifetime. Now, of course, we know, don't we, there is no coincidence that Zechariah is chosen because the Lord has something significant planned. Because as Zechariah goes to burn the incense, something happens. Because as he's there, an angel of the Lord appears to him, Gabriel. Now, quite understandably, Zechariah is shaken, overwhelmed, and fearful when he sees the angel. Sometimes we think, you know, angels are cute. Angels have wings. Angels have halos. Angels look a bit like the angels on the organ. I think angels are actually probably quite scary. Anytime an angel appears in the Bible, in the New Testament, what's the first thing they say? Don't be afraid. Because they're scary. Zechariah is fearful when he sees this angel. But the angel assures him, don't be afraid. And he proceeds to tell Zechariah what will happen. That Elizabeth will have a son. And this son is going to be special. Many will rejoice at his birth. And this boy that's going to be born, he must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks, a sign perhaps that he would be a Nazarite set apart for service of God, that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he would have the spirit and power of Elijah. And he would also prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Now, the other thing that the angel tells Zechariah is the child's name. In that culture, it was common for a son to be given his father's name. That's why later in the story, uh, we see that the, the people who are with Elizabeth and Zechariah at this time when, when the baby is born, they are amazed that this baby is not named Zechariah. Instead, his name is to be John. His name is to be John. Now, why is that significant? Well, because the name John means the Lord is gracious, or the Lord is merciful. Now again, think about how this works on, on two different levels. Because through John, who we know as John the Baptist, 
The Lord is being gracious and merciful. Yes, to Zechariah and Elizabeth, who have longed for a child, but also to Israel, because something is now happening. Because after this time of waiting, this child has now been born. And who is this child? Well, he's John the Baptist. And who's John the Baptist going to point towards? He's going to point towards Jesus. Now, Zechariah, perhaps understandably, and let's not be too harsh on him here, when he hears this message from the angel, he doesn't believe the angel. Now, why does he not believe? Well, he's old. Elizabeth is old. They are beyond childbearing age. And so the angel says to Zechariah that you'll be unable to speak until the child is born. And this comes to pass so that when Zechariah comes finally out of the sanctuary after burning the incense, he can't speak. He's not able to say anything. And those who were there around at that point, they realize that when Zechariah has been in, burning the incense, he's taken so long, and now he's come out, and he's not able to speak. Something significant must have happened. And then Zechariah goes home after his time of service, and all that the angels said comes to pass. Elizabeth becomes pregnant, even in her old age, and exclaims how kind the Lord is. The Lord is merciful. The Lord is gracious. And so we see this morning that after a long time of waiting, that the wait is almost over for Zechariah and Elizabeth. And the wait is almost over for Israel because John the Baptist is going to prepare the way for Jesus. And after so many years of there being no prophet in the land, now one has come, and he will point towards someone greater, Jesus himself. Now, what are we to make of this story today? Well, none of us like waiting, do we? And this time of year, if you're ever in the shops, the queues are getting longer and longer. Don't leave your shopping to Christmas Eve. It's a nightmare. The queues are just so long. We don't like waiting, do we? We don't like being in a traffic jam. We can be impatient. We can be in a hurry to to get things moving. Now, children, of course, are are impatient, aren't they? They're impatient to, to get to Christmas for Christmas finally to come. They count down the days until Christmas finally arrives. Count the number of sleeps, longing for that special day to arrive. We don't like to wait, do we? But God is never in a hurry. He's never in a hurry. He does things in his own time. He does things in his own way, to his own glory. And so if there's something in our life that we are praying through and praying for, and nothing seems to be happening, take heart. Keep praying. Keep persevering on. Because God's timing is not our timing. Do you not think that way back in Israel's history, 
there were people that were praying for the Messiah to come. Now remember, there were 400 years of silence. I wonder if there were people praying for the Messiah to come in 1623, effectively. 400 years ago. Or 1723, 1823. Those times seem a long, long time ago, don't they? That's effectively the time period where people were praying. And yet they lived their life and nothing seemed to be happening. But 400 years later, something happened. It's a bit like us praying today and the answer not being till 2423. That's quite a thought, isn't it? But God's timing is not our timing. God is greater than us. You see, God's ways are not our ways. You see, if you look at this story, there's some amazing elements to it, isn't there? You see, God does the most unexpected things, doesn't he? You see, why would God choose an elderly couple to bear a son to be the forerunner of Jesus? Why does God choose a teenage girl to bear Jesus? We would not choose to do things this way, but God's ways are higher than our ways. And we just have to trust that he knows better than us. And the last thing today is this. We might not like waiting, but let's use the waiting time we have positively in preparation. You see, it's significant, isn't it? That even during those years of silence in their life, what do we find Zechariah and Elizabeth doing? Have they given up on their faith? Do they think that God is not listening any longer? So what's the point? I just won't pray any longer. Well, they're described as righteous. They continue to serve the Lord. They continue to to follow his commands. They are actively waiting in a positive way. And for us during Advent and in the Christian life, we are called to active waiting. Some of you here today have a dog. And I don't know about you, our boys are desperate for a dog. They are not getting a dog. That is not going to happen. But I always remember uh, my brother-in-law's dog. And you could not say the word walk. If you said the word walk, then this is what happened. The dog went and got the lead and waited beside the door. So we always had to speak in code. Are we going to take the D for a W? That's what we used to say. But that's active waiting, isn't it? That's what a dog does. If it hears it's going to be a walk, it doesn't just say, oh, well, I don't fancy it. Really, generally. It goes to the door with its lead, ready to go. It's ready to go. And for us, it's the same during this Advent period. We don't just mark the days off and spend our days doing nothing. We're not called to rest in our laurels in the Christian life. We are called to serve the Lord. And follow his ways all the days of our life, during the ups and during the downs, until he returns or until he takes us home. 
And so I want you to see this morning that Zechariah and Elizabeth wait and the Lord hears them. The nation of Israel is crying out and the Lord hears them. Let us wait upon the Lord. Let us trust that God is gracious and merciful. And let us serve the Lord all our days as we trust in the Lord Jesus. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Loving Lord God, we uh, are sometimes amazed at your word and the detail that is in your word because we see how often you are working on two levels. Because here are Zechariah and Elizabeth waiting, longing for a son, waited for so many years. And yet it seems that the time is too late. But we also see Israel waiting, 400 years of silence, nothing happening, no prophet in Israel. And yet, Lord God, at the same time, you're able to answer the prayers of Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're longing for a child and also to answer the prayers of Israel. Because here is John the Baptist born, the forerunner to Jesus, the one who will sit on David's throne and who will reign forever and ever. Lord God, we thank you that the child was to be named John. Because, Lord, you are merciful. You are gracious. You are kind. You're kind and gracious to Elizabeth and to Zechariah. You're kind and gracious to the people of Israel. But you're also kind and gracious to us. Because we recognize that John is the forerunner to Jesus. And that Jesus is a savior. Not just of Israel. He's the Savior of the whole world for all those who will put their trust in him. Lord God, we thank you that you have been gracious and kind to us. But Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, perhaps we come with sadness of heart. Maybe there's something in our life that we've been praying for a long, long time. And yet it seems like, Lord, you're not listening. Lord, you're not caring. But Father, throughout your word, we see that you are gracious, you are compassionate, you are loving. And we also see that your ways are higher than our ways. And that you answer prayers in ways that sometimes we don't understand. But Lord God, you're far more wise than we are. Father, we pray that you would answer our prayers in accordance with your will. And we also trust in your character, that you are gracious and loving and compassionate, and we simply cling to you. Lord God, we thank you that we can trust in you. And we can trust in you because you have been so good to us in the ultimate sense, because you have given us the Lord Jesus. If you didn't care for us, you would not have sent the Lord Jesus but you gave us the very Savior that we need, that we might know forgiveness, that we might know hope, that we might know life in all its fullness. 
Father, we recognize that Advent is a time of waiting, a time of preparation. And we recognize that as we read in your word, that it's all about Jesus coming the first time. But we also recognize that Jesus spoke about when he would come again in glory. And we wait for his second coming, that day when he will come in might, when every eye will see him, every tongue will declare Jesus is Lord, every knee will bow before him. Father, until that day, may we be actively waiting, not resting in our laurels, but serving you with all that we have as we are empowered by your Holy Spirit. So, Lord God, speak to us through your word today, we pray. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.